it's Mitch Goldman. You're listening to Deep Focus. And this is part one of three parts of a rebroadcast from 2013, November 13th of that year. Roy Campbell was my guest in the studio, and the topic was Woody Shaw, two fantastic trumpeters. And little did I know, uh, I, I loved Roy's playing, but I had no idea how much he knew about Woody Shaw and personally knew Woody Shaw. And uh, not to mention the stories that came out about Ornette Coleman and Lee Morgan and all these other heroes of mine. And um, I just, I loved it. I loved Roy's spirit and uh, the sad irony that he died less than two months after this um, program in 2014. So enjoy this. And uh, let me tell you that if you are enjoying it, you should subscribe. You can subscribe to Deep Focus on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play, Podcast Republic. You can find us at Podbean and uh, home for this uh, program is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. There's a couple dozen programs up already, more going up every week. It's all free. There's no ads. It's just our little gift to you. So here we go. Roy Campbell talking about the music and music from Woody Shaw, 2013. Enjoy. Another set of music. Another set of music. WKCR FM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is music you've never heard from Woody Shaw. Thank you. 
Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That was a tune written by uh, our trombonist, Steve Turi, and he calls that one Viewpoint. Let's have a big hand for Steve Turi and that slick composition. Can I have just a little bit more mic, please, sound man? That's what you call a slick blues, you dig? It describes your every innermost feeling.
Some great music that you've never heard. You've never heard in your whole life, unless you were in San Francisco in 1980 at the Keystone Corner. Just sounds like a quiet, regular evening in the club. That's pretty much what it Thank is. Thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You got it, Woody. That was an original composition written by yours truly. And that's called Joshua C. And uh, right now we're going to play another one of my originals, and this, is, this one is called OPEC. Well, we're going to give you just a minute to get back to that one, Woody. Okay. My name is Mitch Goldman. This is WKCR-FM New York, and we are putting Woody Shaw into deep focus. And when I say we, I have the great pleasure of introducing my partner tonight. Man, this is um, – I could not be more happy to have Roy Campbell in the studio with me tonight. Welcome back to WKCR, Roy. Thank you, Mitch. And I'm glad to hear some Woody Shaw music. It's always a pleasure to hear Mr. Shaw and his music and his adventures that he has done. And you're getting a rare treat to have some recordings that have never been released. Yeah, yeah, we pulled out, uh, dug deep into the archives, got some gems. And uh, this one, I said it's Keystone Corner, was September of 1980, and the band that uh, I know you had to see these guys play together, Steve Touré up, up front on trombone, Mulgrew Miller playing piano, Stafford James on the bass, and the drummer holding it all together. He didn't solo there. Everybody else did. Uh, we'll hear about that a little bit later. Is Victor Lewis, the great Victor Lewis. And uh, Roy, when I approached you about doing this show, and um, 
I know there's a lot of trumpeters that you love. <laughs> oh, this, most definitely. <laughs> I know there's more than five or six or eight or 12. But uh, Woody Shaw was pretty much the first one that jumped out of your mouth. Yes, because um, I had the honor of meeting Woody Shaw when I was about maybe 15 years old. He played in a club in my neighborhood called Mother Blues, and I believe um, it was Jimmy Heath also and uh, Milt Jackson. I can't remember the other people in the rhythm section. And I really enjoyed uh, the music. They were playing standards, but it was good. And then I also heard Woody on uh, Tyrone Washington's album, uh, Natural Essence. And I really loved uh, his playing on there. Do you remember what struck you about him, about either in his sound or his approach to the music or what he looked like or what, what something grabbed you? Yeah, because he had a different tone than Freddie Hubbard. You know, most trumpet players have unique sounds, but he was very different from um, Freddie and and Lee. And then his harmonic sense and the intervals that he used were more like a saxophone at times, you know. And, And it was very harmonic. It was not so linear like how most trumpet players played and um also when i heard the moon train that was a very unique tune and it's become a jazz standard today and yeah 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 everybody seems to know that one yeah sure. and, and he wrote that when he was like i think 18 years old that i am told was the first tune he ever wrote is that right yeah mm-hmm. dedicated to coltrane and uh, yeah, he was must have been in the wake of Coltrane's death, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, that was the first piece. I don't know if it was the first thing that he published or that he got to be played, but that's what I was told. The first his first composition. Yes, and then um, also they did uh, "Beyond All Limits," and and that's not an easy tune to play. <laughs> I mean, he no, really, he doesn't. A lot of his stuff. I mean, I would just think if anybody who wasn't at absolutely the top of the game tried to play it, your fingers would just end up in knots and your lip bleeding and you'd just be <laughs> in a pile in the corner of the room. But yeah. And he made it just beautiful, flowing music. Yeah. Am I, and I'm not a musician. Am I wrong about that? I mean, it, no, no, it's true. Like, beyond all limits and up-tempo, you know, the, the, the line is pretty complex and, and it changes the complex, too, and it changes rhythms. And uh, that's the aspect of a lot of Woody's uh, compositions is harmonically uh, advanced. It's not the typical uh, two five ones or the blues and things like that. And but it has and blues and yeah, it has yeah, this it has all the elements yeah. of traditional jazz. And then also he had different rhythmic patterns within a tune, also. It never, though, seems like chops for chops' sake. It kind of seems like, well, this is where I'm at, and you're going to have to get on the bus. Yeah, exactly, you know. And um, he, I, I just uh, imagine that for the people who played with him, it had to be a, a tall order to, to, <laughs> to play those tunes with him. Sure. Like I said, they were not the typical uh, run-of-the-mill jazz tunes they were unique and they were different and he was not just a soloist who would show up and sit in with so-and-so's band or be the the you know the featured star for the night he i think of woody shaw i think of him like this live date we've been listening to at keystone corner leading his band guys that know his tunes and that work together I mean, to listen to it, it would sound like they're just, that's what they do. That's all they do, and they're just playing together all the time. And um, that's something you know something about as well. Oh, yeah. He, he was a taskmaster and an excellent band leader, and he knew what he wanted, and he knew what he wanted the musicians to achieve and at the same time play themselves, you know talking to Roy Campbell about the great Woody Shaw, and we've got some fantastic 
recordings of Woody from the KCR archives that have not seen the light of day, which is pretty exciting. So, well, if you're a Woody Shaw fan, if you're a trumpeter, if you know somebody like that, or you just like music, you're you're in the right place. And we're just getting started. We're going to be here till 9 p.m. tonight. So, this is uh, you've landed in a in a great place. Now, you told us when you first heard Woody, when you first saw Woody, then you also got to know him. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. How'd that come about? Well, he. He came outside, and uh, I told him I was a fan of the trumpet and a fan of the music. But I really didn't start uh, seriously playing trumpet until my last year at high school. I was like 17. But I met him at, um, when I was like 15, and I met Lee Morgan, I think about the same, around the same period of time when the gigolo was out. And I used to work as an usher at um, Randall's Island when Teddy Powell used to have his concerts. No kidding. The, yeah, in the 60s. So I got a chance to get paid and see a lot of music. Downing Stadium. Time. Yeah. That's, I remember it well. That's right. I still have <laughs> some of the souvenir programs oh, from, yeah. from then. And I saw Miles Davis's um group when he had Tony Williams and uh, Wayne Shorter, Herbie, and uh, Ron Carter. Wow. You know? Wow. You must have been a a tyke. I was about 14, 14 years old, and I started working there. I worked there for about two or three summers. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I remember they used to do concerts there. And yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, there was a lot of people used to come out through there, uh, Les McCann and um, Cannonball Adderley and Duke Ellington's band played there and Count Basie. But um, I used to uh, go see Woody play at uh, the Tin Palace. Mm-hmm. And later on, um, he used to come see me play ah. when... I was playing with uh, David Murray's uh, octet in his big band. I remember one night I was playing with the big band at uh, Sweet Basil. Mm-hmm. And so after the set, Woody came up to me and he says, Hey, Campbell, you didn't <laughs> know I was here, but uh, yeah, I, I, I snuck in and, uh, and I was checking out your solo man and he said man you built that solo at the right time and you climaxed it at the right time and the band was uh, uh, check, uh, up with you and, and you, you, he said you told a story wow yeah that's high praise man yeah it is a high praise from him now especially this leads into I, I'm sorry go ahead you no, no, I didn't no, mean to no, cut no, you off okay but you're leading into a really interesting topic that I don't know quite how to discuss, but I'll bring it up and you can respond as you like, which is Woody Shaw had a different way of presenting himself. Um, I'm thinking more off stage than on stage than uh, almost anybody I've ever known. I didn't know him. I used mm-hmm. to go see him a lot and... Uh, I'm the kind of person who would um, go up to talk to just about anybody. (laughs) But something about Woody Shaw and the space that he kind of carved out in a room for himself, it just, uh, it was unique. And I wonder if you could, maybe if you want to talk about that. Well, in a sense, a lot of people didn't realize Woody had glaucoma and... um, and a lot of people, when he would walk sometime, they would think, you know, he was drunk or on drugs. But that's what his situation was. So, and sometimes later on, people used to lead him. His, his vision was impaired. Yeah, 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 on and off stage. But Woody was a very warm and uh, nice person once you got to know him, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Um, after he saw me at Sweet Basil's a few times, he came up to me. Oh, I will tell the story. Yeah, man. Uh, don't uh, don't that, listen. Okay. 
One night when he was playing with Mal Waldron, um, I think it was Charlie Rouse and um, Reggie Workman and uh, Ed Blackwell. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I had walked into the Vanguard and um, Woody saw me and a lady who was a friend of his had told him that I just walked in. And so when I I came in the door, he said, Campbell, come here, come here. (laughs) And I said, hey, Woody, how you doing? What's up? So he asked me, do you have your horn? I said, no. So he said, do you have your mouthpiece? I said, no. So he said, well, my friend here told me about you, and if she tells me about another trumpet player, I want to hear him. And so Woody bent down and gave me his horn. Wow. And he asked me to go up there and play with him. So when I walked on the stage and, you know, um, I said, well, Woody sent me here to play. So, oh, this is now he's not up there. He sent you without yeah, him. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So oh, was this his date or Mal's date or no? No, it was Mal. He was playing with Mal Waldron. Right, okay. <laughs> but Mal Waldron knew me. Okay. Because he heard some of the uh, records I did with Jamil Moondock, uh-huh. like the Evening of Blue Man and some other stuff. And when Mal saw me, he just looked. At first, like, I was a little nervous, you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, he had this tune, I think. It's about something about the sea. And it was a very slow and mellow tune. And uh, I just got right in the groove mm-hmm. with them. So anyway, you know, I didn't go outside. And I was right mm-hmm. there with what they were doing. So uh, when I gave Woody back his horn... He said, hey, Campbell, he said, you didn't have your mouthpiece and you didn't have your horn, but you played my horn. But he said, yeah, I hear you can play. He said, a horn is like a woman, right, Campbell? (laughs) I said, yeah. And he said, it's very personal. He said, next time your band is playing somewhere or, or I'm playing somewhere, you bring your horn and come and play with me. So about maybe a month and a half later, he was playing at Lush Life. So mm-hmm. I came down there with my horn. And um, he also had um, other people sitting in. You know, he was very gracious. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, always, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he had, um, I think Richard Clay came that night on um, alto saxophone, or Bucky Tharp, who's no longer with us. God rest his soul. He played uh, trumpet, and um, Graham Hames mm-hmm. was there, and, and we had a wonderful time, you know. Well, I, um, what he heard me play, he wanted to know. He, I heard him say, "Who's that? Who's that?" <laughs> you know. And then he told me to come back tomorrow, and I wound up playing with him the entire week. Wow. Yeah. I bet that was the last time you left the house without your mouthpiece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't have the horn, neither. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, because, you know, in, in, in terms of playing trumpet, I mean, it's thousands of mouthpieces, and yeah. mouthpieces are unique. So I was glad that um, Mal chose the kind of tune he, he uh, chose because sometimes you're playing another horn that you're not familiar with, and, and then a different mouthpiece you buy try to do something and it won't necessarily come out you know i'm curious to ask you some more about woody's sound and maybe anything distinct about the horns that he played um what do you think maybe we should play one more track uh and then talk about that when we come back okay yeah but i would like to mention yeah the the last song oh yeah joshua c you were because you were singing along with that and yeah it's called love for the one you can't have. He he recorded that with uh, Art Blakey and uh, Carter Jefferson. I think it's on the album And Then Again 
and um, also he recorded it on um, Song of Songs on the contemporary label. But when he uh, recorded it at first, he recorded a whole step down. And then when he did the version later on Art Blakey's album, it, it was a, a whole step up in terms of the key. And um, also the version we heard on the uh, live session was also a whole step up. So I guess... Now, do you have any idea why he might have done that? What would... Uh well, well, sometimes when I receive a composition, I might do it in one key at first, and then um, then I think about another key, and, and, and it sounds better or more fresher in a certain key, you know, because different keys have different moods, you know. Because mm -hmm. when I was uh, a kid, I distinguished the different keys by colors and moods, you know. And then when I learned music, then um, it was a little different, but um, that's how I knew different keys at first because of moods and color schemes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just uh, just felt right for him. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. We're talking about Woody Shaw. My guest is Roy Campbell, fellow trumpeter with uh, with Woody Shaw, and sometimes on bandstand together. And obviously, well, Woody has been gone, uh, hard to believe, 20-some years. But uh, his yeah. music stays with us and stays... He seems to me to be, I was going to say the, maybe it's overstating it to say the, but certainly one of the trumpeters' trumpeters. Yes, I, 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 believe, I believe that's true. He is part of the lineage, you know. I mean, like, if you look at it you know uh, Lee Morgan was popular then Freddie and then it's Woody man you know and, and uh, he was with Art Blakey and right Art well that was people now coming up now might not realize that that was one of the brands that was put on you if you had that chair in Art Blakey's band in the Jazz Messengers you were kind of demonstrated to be the next guy. That, that's true, and 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 like like I just said, it was Lee, Freddie, and then Woody. Yeah. And all of those those trumpet players had a unique style, and and a unique tone, and they really had something to say, mm -hmm. you know. And you know, it's also worth mentioning. I think at this time, okay, nineteen eighty. If you can, I don't know, maybe you were around then. Yes, I yes. was. You were around then. <laughs> I was around right. then. Some of our listeners were, some weren't. But if you could put your mind to what was happening in the music at that time, and Woody was still a relatively young man, there were not a lot of people of his generation playing this music this way. I mean, I, I would say, as a younger cat coming up and playing this music with a real conviction and immediate first-person, this-is-my-music kind of frame about it. Um, this It was not the mm -hmm. most stylish thing at that time to be playing straight ahead in the pocket quintet. Well, you know, art continued on and... Um, but, yeah, but he was a guy yeah. of... And, and, and Woody, but at the same time, it was... A lot of different things going on. There was like uh, the post uh, fusion thing, and um, then you had uh, avant garde bands, you know, and whatever. Because I remember in the 80s, I was playing with uh, Jamil um, Moondock. I started playing with Jamil in 79, but yet at the same time, you know. It was a mixture of music at the same time. I mean, I, even though I played with Jamil and um, William Parker and different people, I had a band playing straight ahead tunes, and then I used to write tunes too, and I still do. And my tunes are sort of like traditional 
also too, you know, because I came up with a traditional background. So even though some of us have ventured off, we right. still. So you're shooting me down on this one. We, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm but not. Here's what I'm saying, though. But what I'm what saying that there's yeah. some people who maintain the traditional aspects of the music uh, in their playing. I, mean, I guess there's. there's I mean, Woody played with Eric Dolphy. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Eric Dolphy was uh, adventurous, but at the same time, Woody played with Dolphy, and he was doing some outstanding stuff with Dolphy in his late teens. Oh, yeah. And stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and Woody has played some um, non-traditional music earlier in his career, but yet after that he come come back to the tradition. Yeah, you know, and his well, I mean, but music reflects a uh, traditional background, you know. Yeah, I guess I mean that he could play that music mm-hmm. in a way that I, I don't. N- not too many people I think of his of his generation were playing at that time. It didn't feel like someone else's music. It didn't feel old fashioned. It didn't. It felt. Ah, it was Woody. Yeah, you know, and and and, and when you hear his music, it's reflections of. Um, his life, what he's experienced, and his emotions, mm-hmm. you know. Because I remember um, the period of time I was mentioning when uh, I got to play with him, man. Man, he played a tune, man, and and it was like so relaxed and so beautiful, man. And his tone was rich, man, and. And it was like every note that he played in the phrase, there was nothing that was meaningless. It, it all had a meaning, and it just led up to one phrase to another. It wasn't just meaningless random notes and a whole bunch of flashy technique and whatever. It it, it, it was rich, man. You mm, know what mm, I mean? Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We are talking about Woody Shaw. Roy Campbell's my guest. This program is Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is WKCR-FM New York. And we've got this uh, time capsule. We've got this magic time machine Roy and I found. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, just got one setting. It takes us back to September 25th, 1980 at the Keystone Corner in San Francisco. Did you ever play the Keystone Corner, Roy? No, I never played there. I never was there either. But uh, it it was a legendary spot and actually something that comes to mind one of dexter gordon's first recordings when he came back was live at the keystone corner and i think wasn't woody on that now that i think about it i think so i think it was a couple of years before this i could be wrong about that um he was on the recordings um he was on homecoming homecoming but i, I, I could I'm not be sure about the uh, keystone somebody at home corner. saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll let that one go. We'll edit that yeah. one out. Okay. All right. Forget about that. But this recording was made at the Keystone Corner. Mm-hmm. Woody Shaw. Oh, the, you know what? Yeah. It, it, they played at the Keystone Corner, and I think they had a New Year's broadcast at R on WRVR oh, yes. years ago. Yes. That's, yes. That, that's that, that, that's what it is. We came up listening to all the same stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, that's yeah. a whole other story. We tell people that mm-hmm. there was once a commercial radio station. That's right. In our lifetime, our adult lifetime, that played this kind of music. Hard to believe, but right. it, we, are, we are living witnesses that's right. to that. In any case, the band, uh, this was... Uh, there, there, there are just certain faces and names that come through a broad path of Woody Shaw's performances and recordings, and these guys are all on that short list. Steve Touré, trombone, Mulgrew Miller, piano, Stafford James on the bass, Victor Lewis on the drums. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about those cats and anything in particular that jumps out. We heard Viewpoint, and uh, on this recording... Woody announced it as Joshua C., but you know it by mm. a different name. Yeah, Love for the One You Can't Have. Great title. <laughs> Great title. Uh, and this next one, as you might have heard Woody introducing, called OPEC, which was uh, a hot topic mm. in 1980. And uh, we're going to go back there right now on W. 
KCR. That is part one of this three-part deep focus on the topic of Woody Shaw with my guest, the magnificent Roy Campbell. November 13th, 2013, in the studios at WKCR. And I'm Mitch Goldman, and you can find Deep Focus as a podcast at iTunes, at Spotify, at Google Play, at Podcast Republic, at Podbean, and in fact, at Podbean, you can go to, well, you can, on the web, you can go to mitchgoldman.podbean.com. There you will find all of our episodes. We've got a couple of dozen up there already, more going up every week. It's all free, no ads. Tell the folks, subscribe, click the like button, give me five stars. Come on, <laughs> only, only if I've earned it. And if not, I'll give you a money back guarantee. How's that? All right, I'm Mitch Goldman. Uh, Click down for part two of this podcast, November 13th, 2013, Roy Campbell on the topic of Woody Shaw. <laughs>